Creative South Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Frostholm. Today I talk with icon designer Kyle Adams about working in a job that didn't challenge him, going out on his own without a backup plan, icon design, and his podcast, Behind the Brand, all right after this. As a designer, there's nothing more frustrating than laboring over the perfect design and having a t-shirt screen printer reproduce your work as a low-quality t-shirt. RealThread has the solution. RealThread creates super soft t-shirts people love to wear. RealThread has spent years perfecting an efficient and clear platform for you to be able to order the softest custom printed t-shirts you'll ever wear. RealThread is dedicated to your project with the utmost knowledge and expertise on creating super soft custom screen printed shirts. For free quotes, a quick answer to questions, and a high-res digital mock-up of your design, head over to realthread.com or simply call, email, text, or live chat with the RealThread team any day of the week. Plus, when you're ready, get up to $100 off your first order with RealThread. Just mention Creative South Podcast in the print notes at checkout or to your account executive. Are you ready to explore your creativity and meet a ton of new friends while you're doing it? Then head over to creativesouth.com right now and get your Creative South tickets. Join us April 6th through 9th in Columbus, Georgia for Creative South, where you come as friends and leave as family. If you like the podcast and want to help support us, head over to patreon.com slash creative south. Every dollar helps us cover hosting costs, upgrade equipment, and keep the podcast going. Plus, when you become a Creative South patron, you'll get access to exciting Creative South news before anyone else, Creative South podcast stickers and t-shirts, and you can even get your own podcast episode. So please, help support the podcast by becoming a patron over at patreon.com slash creative south. Well, if you're ready, we can get started. I'm totally ready. Awesome. So, Kyle, thank you for uh, joining me, uh, whatever day, Sunday evening. Yeah, thank you for having me here. I'm, I'm really excited to be on the podcast. Yeah, so let, let's talk um, a little bit about the formative days um, in Kyle Adams' life. Where'd you grow up? I grew up in a really... <laughs> I say small town. It wasn't super small, but um, obscure town, maybe Midland, Texas. Mm-hmm. It's way over west side of Texas. Um, and yeah, the uh, the design culture there is pretty well non-existent. <laughs> <laughs> I, having been to Midland, Texas, I uh, can tend to uh, I, I can confirm that. <laughs> yeah, I actually had someone uh, recently went to uh, another conference and had someone ask how I was able to to design after living there. <laughs> so <laughs> it's that bad. It's because it's all pent up from years of um, the exciting color of beige. <laughs> yep. Every building is beige and so is the landscape. Yeah, very much so. And then your wife's from Odessa, right? Yeah, just right next door. It's maybe maybe a 15 minute 20 minute drive or so sure. between the two so you were on the right side of the tracks she was on the wrong side of the tracks um that'll be funny to people who live in midland and odessa only <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll i'll i won't comment on that just to uh <laughs> save not your, get myself in trouble. save your marriage <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> cool so so growing up um especially in west texas 
Um, how did you escape um, being recruited onto the football team and, uh, you know, doing all that stuff? Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of interesting. On, honestly, I I took art like um, I went to a private school. Mm-hmm. So because of that, we kind of had a little bit more flexibility. The teachers could kind of, um, you know, they could they could create classes if they decide if they decided and the administration would allow them, <laughs> they could kind of add on classes. So mm-hmm. uh, technically, our our school had art one and art two as electives and then you would have to move on to something different which could be sports could be uh you know like band or one of those type of things and i just love the art classes and got to know my teacher pretty well and she said once i got to art two she's like well why don't we make art three next year (laughs) (laughs) so i was i think i was one of there may have been one other person but i i'm pretty sure i was the only one in art three and uh, it was pretty much like, you know, make things you want to make and then show them to me just to prove you're doing work and <laughs> kind of a way to keep me out of the uh, out of the sports loop because I was a really big uh, art and design nerd in <laughs> high school. So. I know that feeling. <laughs> <laughs> if it was a team involved sport, I definitely was not in it. Yeah, that's that's definitely how I was. Um, I don't know. I've just never been never been in that in that mindset to, to want to play sports, but <laughs> yay sports ball. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you, you, you get a class created for you when you get out of high school, do you end up going to college? Yeah. So I went to a community college for a little while, kind of the, uh, uh, just like, you know, get your basics and move on to a university after that. Cause you pay less for the community college and you can stay at home and all those things. Mm-hmm. Um, I did that eventually. As well. <laughs> yeah, it's a good move. Um, I eventually moved to, it's like way up North Texas, Canyon, Texas, uh, West Texas, a and up there and went for about two years there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just kind of decided that I was in the graphic design program and just kind of decided that's not for me. Um, not because I didn't enjoy the topic, but because I had spent a lot of my high school and even into college years working on it. And it just kind of felt like number one, it felt like I wasn't in the, uh, the right kinds of classes for me. Sure. And I had sort of just like, right when I went to that college, I started getting into more of the UI design, uh, icon design, that kind of stuff. And, that wasn't what they were teaching. They were teaching more of the like layouts and, um, you know, like graphic design in a very, very traditional sense. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so I moved on from there (laughs) and, and decided to leave. So, so you basically dropped college after going through community college and then a year of, um, the, um, West Texas A&M. Yeah. And it's, (laughs) It's kind of funny because um, my my wife is an educator. She teaches uh, elementary school, mm-hmm. and you know it's kind of always funny. She's like, "You're not you're not going to tell." We don't have kids yet, but when we do, like she she always says, "You're not going to tell them to not go to college, right?" Like she, <laughs> and I don't know. Like it, it kind of depends on your career, you know. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and also how disciplined you are. Uh, I remember spending like hours and hours after school just 
going through anything I could find on Google, like terrible tutorials. Those <laughs> there's a lot those of video those. tutorials. <laughs> yeah, those video tutorials you find on YouTube where they're like, "Welcome to the uh, the first day of uh, learning how to draw shapes in Illustrator." You know, like <laughs> those really long, boring. You hear the clicks. Yeah, you know, they make the NPR people look exciting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so I went through a lot of those, like just learning what I could and taking away what I could and just really, really pushing myself into at the time. I honestly didn't think of it as self-education, but that's really what it was. I was just so curious to learn everything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's there's definitely two sides of the fence. Like you're either really into doing that or you really need curriculum to push you along. <laughs> Yeah, I, so. I, I was more of the uh, curriculum. I'm better about it now, but I I needed um, I needed somebody to kind of guide me along in person. Right. So, so when you leave college, what do you end up doing? <laughs> oh my uh, my first really big failure. <laughs> if I had to summarize it in one one sentence, that's what it is. Um, I kind of had this thought that I could start a, a business, you know, mm-hmm. um, my, my dad was always uh, very entrepreneurial. He, he liked to start, start businesses on the side and grow those. And so he was, he was very deep into like knowing how to, how to start up things and, um, make them tick and kind of work for himself. Sure. And that's just something I wanted to have, you know, uh, I, I wanted to go down that path and I, I just kind of saw the freedom in it, you know, of, uh, being able to set your own schedule, even though there's a lot of work involved, it's, it's freeing to be able to set that for yourself. And I sort of naively walked into, into the career, which, uh, unfortunately I see a lot of people I talk to go down the same path and it's, I was just doing whatever I could taking on any clients I could, mm-hmm. uh, just trying to ha- kind of hack it together <laughs> and make it work in some way which ended up, you know, uh, you can't sustain yourself off of $200 a project. Uh, <laughs> not on a not unless basis. you have like 10 projects coming in a week. Yeah. And so it's just like, and I'm someone like personally, I don't have debt and I'm, I'm very adverse to having debt. And mm. so getting to that point of, Oh, I have $200 in my bank account. Like <laughs> that was, that was the end of the road for me if I kept slipping down that path. Sure. So, um, just ended up moving on to a corporate job and leaving that behind. Gotcha. And so, so you, you, you move into the corporate world where you, what are you doing there? Uh, there I'm doing UI design. This is actually a really funny story. I was recently telling someone about this. So, um, this is where I first really uh, sort of unknowingly realized the power of, uh, positioning myself to be a specific thing in order to attract that type of work. Mm-hmm. So I decided like, I really want to do UI design, but in the moment, because of the scarcity of not having a job, I was kind of searching for essentially anything at the moment. <laughs> and then I would move on to UI design is, is kind of what I thought. Like, sure. I had this weird path of like in my head of, okay, I'll join a small company and then kind of move up, up the ladder to bigger companies and, and end up at like corporate status. You know, that's in my head for some reason being as, as an employed person, 
I thought that was the, the ultimate path, you know? Mm -hmm. So, so I had this idea of like, Oh, the corporate world is going to be the Holy grail of this. <laughs> little it's did really you not. know. Like, yeah. Little did I know. I absolutely hate it, but I'll get to that in a minute. Um, what I did was I started creating mostly icons. As I look back, it's interesting. Like <laughs> I got really into the icons, um, but UI design examples mm -hmm. and I was just making these things and putting them out there. And at one point I was approached by this, this larger company and I was like, really? Like, <laughs> you know, based on my path, I'm like, okay, this is, you know, this is a, a company with 17,000 employees in one building. Mm -hmm. Like this is a huge corporate, you know, company. Yeah, definitely not mom and pop. Right. And they're, and they're asking me about UI design and, and they said, you know, I really like what you've done, but we'd love to see some more examples of full UI layouts because we see a lot of icons and a few pieces here and there. Sure. Um, so, <laughs> so I spent like countless days and nights just, you know, making the best work I could of, of these UI design examples. Mm -hmm. And then I sent these all to them, like created them within maybe a week, mm -hmm. you know, just, um, kind of kept talking to them about, about details and <laughs> putting it off so I could create some more examples and, uh, ended up sending those to them saying like, you know, uh, being honest that they weren't like client projects. And this is something I'm, I'm striving to do is, is work more in the UI design space Sure, and got the job. So <laughs> well, that worked out well. Yeah, it worked out well. And, um, it, as much as I ended up disliking that, I, I was in that job for about two years mm -hmm. And as much as I ended up not enjoying the job, it did get me into um, kind of this different mindset. Like I got around some really good people there, met some some really great individuals. And I was in the uh, for, for them, it's like their research and development department. Sure. So I was working on these like future things. I mean, like um, things that may or may not see the light of day. Yeah, may or may not like we had the super early Oculus Rift, you know, like these <laughs> things that you could experiment with ahead of time. Um, and even like new phones that were coming and like we get to see them and play with, you know, it was really cool from a, a tech nerd standpoint. Sure. But uh, but it just wasn't fulfilling. Like essentially I was creating UI design, giving it like presenting it to people inside the company mm -hmm being able to express, you know, like here's the final design for me to them. But then after that, it went to a different department. If the project went forward and then they tore it down, changed it, put it out into the world. So nothing I created ever saw the light of day. And I wasn't under my contract allowed to actually share that even to my portfolio. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so here I am stuck with like no work being shown from this. And on the side, you know, I'm still projecting stuff to my audience I had online at the time. Mm -hmm. And most of that was also icons. <laughs> so, um, so definitely started like generating a little more interest because I was able to, to focus and figure out like, I like at the time it was UI design, you know, sure. that was kind of my path, but I found that that started generating more interest in what I was doing and actually brought people to me that were interested in a specific thing rather than me just throwing whatever out into the world. Mm -hmm. So 
you know, without naming the company, um, what was it that you didn't like about working for them? Was it just because it was such a large corporation or was it just? I think it's just corporate life in general. I, it just wasn't for me. Like I, I'm much more entrepreneurial. That's where I thrive mm-hmm. is, is being able to have high output work a lot. Um, focus on like, you know, some business aspects of things and like <laughs> kind of create my own path for myself. Uh, that's, that's really where I strive with or where I thrive. I'm sorry. Um, and so, yeah, the corporate world was just kind of like you'd have a project that give a, an iffy deadline. Like, <laughs> we're going to try to have it done September-ish. in three months. <laughs> yeah. And, and so I'm someone who like wants to have a deadline, you know, like I need to have that to push me. And so we'd kind of float along. Some days there was no work and you just, you're, you're kind of expected to go, uh, just mingle with people, which I like to have conversations, but it got to the point where it's just kind of boring to be honest. Like I'd go walk around the building sometimes with nothing to do (laughs) and just kind of like I'm forced to be at work so that I'm putting in hours at work, but I wasn't doing anything productive. And there was no Pokemon go at this time to keep you occupied. So, right. (laughs) And a lot of people enjoy that. You know, a lot of people like that. They, they think like, Oh, that sounds great. You just go to work and you, you don't have to do anything and you get paid for it. But it was just really, really draining for me because there wasn't, there wasn't much I could do. I, and I couldn't work on my personal projects there. So at least not ethically. Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I could sneak in some sketches here and there or like <laughs> whatever, but I was using their computers. So I tried to avoid yeah. a lot of that, but, um, yeah, that's, it wasn't really anything about the company specifically or even the people. I liked a lot of the people that were there, mm-hmm. but, uh, it was just that, I, I don't know, just like the corporate culture in general. Um, and, and even like challenging the status quo and saying, hey, maybe we should do things this way or maybe we should like not do that. Um, that that didn't always sit well, right? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. they're used to doing things a very specific way and having a very specific process. And they're like, this has worked for the last hundred years. So we're going to continue doing that. And it's like, well, oh, lots it's like, of things have worked for the last hundred years that maybe shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so I'm kind of like, well, I'm in research and development. And <laughs> yeah. So anyway, it was just that it wasn't anything about the company specifically. Gotcha. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I completely understand that because if you're not challenged in an environment, you kind of get stagnant and bored and end up resenting where you're at because you've got you know, not enough to do or what you're doing isn't fulfilling. So that can be really frustrating. Yeah. And it was that, uh, also that feeling of I should be, I should be doing so much right now. My boss is going to think I'm just like not doing anything. And then you'd, you know, like you'd see your boss getting coffee and talk to him and he's like, you've been doing a lot of work lately. It's been really good. <laughs> <I'm> like, <"What?"> <laughs> <laughs> so there's just kind of a disconnect there of like, what is a lot of work compared to what is not a lot of work? Yeah, When you think you're not putting anything out and they're thinking you're putting out high output, that's always scary. Yeah. Like if you reply to your email within three minutes, you're super high output, regardless of how much work you do. <laughs> See now at my office, if I reply to an email within three minutes, that means I don't have enough to do and they throw more things at me. <laughs> Uh, so <laughs> yeah, it's, just, it's different everywhere, you know. Yeah, <laughs> we, 
which I mean, in reality, that really just means that I happen to be checking my email at the moment it came in. <laughs> right. Yeah. Figured I might as well reply to this. So ours was like terrible forced notifications. Oh, I hate those. You couldn't go in the admin panel at all. So there are these these notifications would just pop up and sometimes they'd like stack up to the top. It's like Windows XP or something. Oh, jeez. It was so bad. So, so you leave there. Um, and do you just, when you leave, do you go out on your own immediately? Um, or do you just find something else and start focusing on doing stuff for yourself? So, yeah, that was kind of an interesting process because I, I found myself in this somewhat unique position where I had enough, my wife and I had enough saved mm-hmm. uh, that we could we could probably sustain ourselves for a year if I didn't generate any income whatsoever, uh, which was good. And she was still working at the time too, so not only could we survive if neither of us had a job, but she did have a job. So felt pretty comfortable stepping out mm-hmm. uh, fairly soon after. I, I took about three months or so to really figure out what am I doing and how am I going to approach this. Um, and then I stepped out on my own to do icon design specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually at the time, I think I was saying icon design and illustration, but eventually just got rid of the illustration part because <laughs> I, I just want to do icons. Um, and that's what I've gotten most of my client projects for anyway, um, even up to that point. So yeah, I mean, uh, to answer your question, I just stepped out completely um, not necessarily the path I would recommend for everybody, <laughs> but um, especially because I, I, I kind of that was kind of failure number two, right, of <laughs> growing an audience like I was able to start projecting what I wanted to be known for, start getting some people, you know, uh, to pay attention to what I was doing and, and see my work and stuff. And that felt really good. And I, I just I went really all in on that because I knew that if I ever want to have a course or something and and I want people to be able to get value from that, I'm going to have to have people that actually know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And so I got really into the whole promotion thing, like getting, getting my name out there, so to speak. And because of that, I really slacked on the revenue aspect. And yeah, that's an important part of business. Yeah, it's super important. (laughs) And I just kind of like, it's that fear though. I mean, for anyone who's tried either tried to start their own thing or has their own thing in the beginning, it's tough because you're like, well, I, I don't have enough people to, to sell this to, so I'm not going to make anything or like, I don't have enough, uh, people that pay attention to what I'm doing. So I can't really start selling anything or, you know, like it's this weird kind of (laughs) scarcity of like, I have to keep building so I get more people in the door. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't know, it's kind of interesting. Like I just, I got really focused on that and I got focused on helping people, which I still love to this day. Like I, I want to help people, uh, learn icon design. And, and I remembered my past self trying to find all these things. Like I told you, you know, searching on YouTube, looking at all (laughs) these different websites and I wanted to, I wanted to help people move past that. Sure. And I was sharing all this free content, like just giving a lot of value away, which I wanted to do. But at the end of the day, in order to stay in business or, you know, keep myself afloat and keep my family afloat, it it wasn't possible with that. (laughs) So, (laughs) so I ended up taking another job and like, you know, I I continued to run my business. In fact, 
ironically, my output's gotten even higher. Like I'm doing daily YouTube videos now. Sure. Um, teaching icon design. So anyway, that's kind of the long way around that story, but <laughs> well, let, let's, let's back up a little bit. Cause you, you mentioned two separate things that I do want to talk about. Um, the first one being, you know, you mentioned you kind of were billing yourself as doing icon and illustration design. Um, what was it about the illustration stuff that you decided to, I don't want to say I stopped doing that. Cause I do know that you do some of that still, but making that your focus. Um, I, I yeah. yeah, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, I see what you're saying. I, I, uh, it was kind of muddying the waters to be honest with you, okay. because there's this distinct confusion about what is an icon? What is an illustration? What is, um, what is a logo mark? You know, like there's all these different things. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I really wanted to focus on icons because I didn't want people to confuse it with, excuse me. I didn't want people to confuse it with illustration. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people were doing that. Uh, that's what I love about icons though, is that they're this really the intersection to me between design and illustration, because you do illustrate in the sense that you create something that looks like, you know, a, a certain type of subject matter. Sure. So you're making something that visually represents something that may exist in the real world, mm -hmm. but you're also designing You're you're within constraints of the platform that you're working on, whether that's websites or apps, you, you have specific constraints, including a box that every icon fits in. Mm -hmm. And you also need to be precise with that, especially if you're exporting as like a PNG or something that's pixel based. Sure. You need to be really precise with that. And so I like those two intersections because it's the really creative thing and the really like technical thing coming together. And I think the illustration part, um, you know, I, this is from people emailing me and stuff and even clients who approached me just kind of confusing those two terms and saying we need illustrations, but they're really icons or mm -hmm. saying we need icons, but they're really illustrations. And so, uh, really wanted to narrow that down and quit confusing people so bad. Gotcha. So, so you basically, you start billing yourself. And, and like I said, it's not that you don't do that. It's just, you're not pushing for that type of work. If somebody comes to you and says, I need this, you, if the project's right, you'll do it. But, um, so kind of, trying to figure out how to ask this. Um, you know, what is your kind of philosophy behind designing an icon? Cause like you said, there is this balance between illustration and, you know, design there. Well, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's a deep question. Um, so, wow. Um, well, I'm really, I'm really like goals oriented. Any, anyone who's, read any of my blog posts. Like I'm, I'm up to almost a hundred blog posts at this point, <laughs> just talking about icons. Um, and it, it, anyone who's read those probably is really sick of hearing the word goals, but <laughs> that sort of comes from the design side, right? Like sure. design should intentionally have a purpose and achieve goals for someone. And really icons need to do that because, uh, let's just go for an example of someone building an app. And they need to have icons within the interface. Like those icons need to direct you somewhere. If you're going to, 
I don't know, write a new email message is probably going to be an envelope, for example. Or <laughs> if you're going to create a new message, maybe it's uh, like a pen and paper type thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's these these icons that they need to actually tell what the action is going to be. So they need to achieve these goals. But perhaps even more importantly than that, they need to communicate what the brand is all about. Because, you know, if you have, let's say, a kid's a kid's clothing brand or something that's like fun and exciting, um, maybe you bevel all the corners more. You know, you, you make everything round and soft and fun and inviting. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you threw in like these really... <laughs> thin line, uh, very precise and kind of square, uh, icons. It doesn't necessarily project that feeling. And so, um, yeah, like a lot of my philosophy around it is based on goals and understanding goals of the client so that you can help push their brand forward in the direction it needs to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, as well as being okay with the, some of the standard icons, like, um, it's kind of hard to move past some of these established icons. And a lot of people have emailed me, um, about this. (laughs) I have a a newsletter list and, and they'll say like, how do I, what about unique icons? Like how do I make my icons more unique than the next person? And, And the honest answer to that is you achieve the goals of, of the client. And if you do that, you're going to come out with this product. That's the final product that's different than, than anything you've seen or just a different variant of it. But um, icons are kind of like this language sure. and there's certain parts of that language. Like if I came to you and said, uh, Jason, I really don't like T's. So I think we're going to change the, the capital letter T to a, uh, the squiggle that I drew because <laughs> that looks a little better. Like you don't understand what that means and, and nobody's <laughs> going to understand what that means until they use it over and over. That is the strangest example I think I would have given. <laughs> but, it, but it's true. Like that's what a lot of people do. They're like, Oh, the, the email envelope is super overdone. So I'm going to change it to a circle with a dot in the middle. And it's like, okay, you, people can learn that over time. Sure. But like, do you really want to, is it worth confusing them over? Mm-hmm. Is it worth showing them something they've never seen before and trying to make them understand it? Um, a great example of this for me is, um, oh gosh, what's it called? There's a, there's a photo app for iPhone mm-hmm. called... Oh my gosh. Now, of course, of all times, I forget it. <laughs> it's like this kind of like they're trying to be really modern and cutting edge and their icons are just super confusing. A lot of people use them and they get used to the icons, mm-hmm. but the barrier to entry is high because it's like, what do these mean? Like there's a square with like a dot in the middle and that's supposed to be share or something. You know, it's like, I don't understand what you're doing, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they, they kind of pass it off or, or try to play it off as, oh, it's it's modern kind of like modern art type thing. And, and really like that doesn't help people achieve anything. Um, and so, yeah, like I, I've kind of gone into the weeds here, but no, uh, I, I mean, I think what you're saying is with icons, you've got to, it's okay to create something new and fun, but that barrier to entry with it, you can't expect to be able to go out and create something that's basically communicating in a different language. Um, without giving somebody the Rosetta Stone to be able to translate it. Right. And I mean, Twitter does a great job of the whole branding with icons mm-hmm. aspect. Like if you go on their site or their app, they have the little, it looks like the writing compose icon, mm-hmm. but it has a feather instead of a pencil or a pen. Mm-hmm. 
and, and that's great branding, right? Because they they're known for the bird, like they have this bird theme and that's part of what they went for. And it expresses their goals very clearly. And it's it's a variant of that icon, but it still represents what we're used to seeing for compose something new. Sure. And so there's no confusion there. And that's that's like one of the main things I, I really strive to talk about is that it, this is a language and it needs to be treated as such, you know, mm-hmm. um, maybe there's an app that comes along and their main feature is some revolutionary new way to take photos, for example. So maybe maybe you change up the camera icon or the photo icon. Mm-hmm. But but the others, you know, maybe they remain the same. So it's not confusing. But you have this new unique icon and that sort of represents that that company's goal of, of this new app and what it's going to do for people. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's just this, it's kind of this mindset shift of not thinking that the subject matter necessarily has to be unique, but that the, the way you present it, the style you present it in sh- could be very unique for specific brands and will target the people they want to reach. Mm-hmm. So when you run up against a client who um, wants you to make the squiggly line and uh, be representative of the the T, how do you approach convincing them that maybe that's not the best idea to meet their goals? (laughs) This is is getting in a dangerous territory here. Um, (laughs) I'm not asking you to name a client. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, uh, honestly, it's just not part of... The, the short answer is it's not part of my process. Gotcha. Um, because we, we talk in depth about goals. Like uh, my client process starts off with that, like a conversation where I want to be deeply entrenched in what they're doing. Like I want to hear from them what their company's about, what they're striving to do, where they're going with this thing, why they're coming to me, all, all of these these things, right? Just to get a really good understanding of who they are and what they want and what this project is actually about. Um, so there's this really big discovery process, which, you know, ends on really good notes because, uh, at every step of the way I'm saying, you know, is this, is this what we talked about? I want to make sure I'm on the same page as you because I don't want to go into this project blindly and not actually achieve what we need to achieve here. So at the end of that process, we say, yeah, like check the goals off, looks great. We're on the same page. You can kind of carry my flag into the design world type thing. Um, because they're, they really know their stuff, right? They know what this website's going to be about or what this app's going to be about. And they've given you that knowledge. And now you go take what you're an expert in and you go work on that. So, uh, really it's positioning each of us as, as somebody who's a professional in our own right Mm -hmm. with our own the own skills that we have. Um, so after that, like I go off, create the project, uh, it's established up front, come back with a final concept. And that's really the project. Like that's, that's how my, my process goes. So, so there really isn't any of that, like, Oh, this is terrible. We got to redo it. Like revisions aren't a thing in my process. And that produces some really, like I've had a lot of really great client experiences and it's much more, in depth and it, there is a lot of overhead up front because you get in these conversations and maybe it does turn into, Hey, actually, I don't think what I could give you is right. I want to send you this direction. So you, maybe you lose some income there Mm -hmm. or, or you say, you know what, actually like 
we could do this. We can we could do some more things. And you actually are are giving them more value because I'm helping them actually figure out what they need rather than what they think they need. Right. Sure. Um, and in some cases, they don't need as many icons as they thought or they need more than they thought or whatever the situation is. It's more of a consultation time. Mm -hmm. So um, that's a really long way around that answer. But <laughs> honestly, I, I just don't I don't have revisions. I don't have a process where I'm going through these different revisions and haggling back and forth because I've I've presented them with a concept that achieves their goals and I give them a case study at the end that explains all of those. Like it in detail goes through every goal that we've talked about and says, here's how I did this. Here's how I did that. Like if there's anything missing, it's, it's really something that we just didn't discuss, you know? Sure. And, uh, I have had one client that said, I don't really feel like this, this met our needs like it should, but I didn't give you this piece of the puzzle. I mean, it's that kind of relationship, you know, where they're like, this really was my fault, but it didn't work out the way I hoped. So, yeah, that's that's where I'd go with that. <laughs> and and then you followed the Mike Montero method and said, oh, crap, now I forgot what it is. He pulls the line from Goodfellas. <laughs> Fuck you, pay me. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I, can, yeah, I can't no, believe I blanked I on it. <laughs> <laughs> As I was saying it, I felt it leaving my head. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'm just going to cut that part out. <laughs> <laughs> Which means I'll leave it in completely. <laughs> right. So the other thing, you know, kind of moving past that, that you mentioned that I want to talk to you about. And, uh, you know, I know you're kind of gearing up for it and you've started laying the groundwork for it was you know, helping other people learn how to do icon design and things around that. How, what exactly was it that made you want to do that other than having to slog through a lot of crappy YouTube videos on your own and seeing things that weren't meeting up to your standards? Yeah. I mean, it's a little bit twofold because one side of it is that it's, it's remembering past me and the really like, I wanted to get deep into the subject of icon design specifically, and it was very hard to find good resources. So mm -hmm. that's a lot of my effort is, is giving good resources, like really good resources, the best I possibly can. And you know, those grow over time. As I learn more, as I move forward, those definitely grow and expand. Um, and then the other side of that is, um, I'm blanking out a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's contagious. No, uh, sorry about that. <laughs> no, the, the second fold is like, um, I, I think I kind of moved both folds into one because they're, they're kind of the same, a little bit of the same thing. Like there's that aspect of actually having good quality, um, uh, high quality information about this topic specifically. Mm -hmm. And, and I want people to make better icons like, um, I've downloaded a lot of the free icon packs out there and paid $5 for a few and just like tried to go through these and see what, why is this area of design so highly undervalued? Like a thousand dollars for, or not a thousand, <laughs> $5 for a thousand icons. Uh -huh. I mean, that, that blows my mind a little bit because I know the time it takes to make even three of those icons, you know? Yeah. 
Um, and they're out there like selling it for $5 or giving it away for free. And it's, it's sort of the same issue that's happening in the type design world where there's these fonts out there for free or for $5 and they're, they're not that well put together, but a lot of people aren't realizing that. Mm -hmm. And so I've noticed this gap. Like I've noticed these, like, I mean, I, I bought an icon pack at one point, downloaded it, and it was just a collection of PNGs. None of them pixel precise, really blurry. <laughs> I, I mean, it's, it's bad. Um, and so it's, it's kind of this promoting, promoting good design as well, like good practices for icon design, because that's not highly established yet. And that's something I wanted to, to get out there and kind of help people with, you know, I've, I've looked into this subject a whole lot and have gathered a lot of these very similar things between, uh, really good icons and, and how they're approached and how they can be created. Mm hmm and what was your solution <laughs> solution to uh what makes really good icons and how they can be created oh <laughs> i mean that's like that's such a deep topic um that's actually why <laughs> I, i'm working on a course for part of that topic i mean like i said i've gone through a hundred blog posts almost a hundred blog posts already mm -hmm. and it's growing like probably by the time this recording goes out it'll be at a hundred but um just so many topics to talk about. And currently what I'm working on is a course about icon sets mm -hmm. because I have a newsletter. And when you sign up, uh, I ask people to, you know, so let me know what are you struggling with when it comes to icons? Because I want to help you. And if I'm not helping you now, I need to have something in place to help you. And the, the biggest thing I see all the time is consistency through an icon set, making an icon set cohesive, mm -hmm. Uh, uniform, have good subject matter, uh, all these things, you know, it's like, it's almost, a. I don't want to say a step up from type design because I know type design takes a really long time, <laughs> um, because you're doing different weights and things. Um, but, but with icons, I guess the, the, uh, exchange for weights is subject matter. So it's like on top of needing to make the system that works together and looks cohesive, you also need to create subject matter that, uh, applies to the icon set looks like it should belong there and also, you know, achieves goals. And there's just all these things you've got to pack into one icon set. So, um, that's, that's really what the first course I'm working on is focused on is, uh, icon sets, like specifically icon sets and making, really good quality icon sets and really making that process easier because I know there's a few things that you can do to start to make those more cohesive mm -hmm. and not, not stress over it. Um, and part of that I share in the, uh, learniconsets.com is where that, that is at. And there's a free guide right now. It's not released yet, but I have a little bit of information. And then, uh, if you sign up for the newsletter, you get a free guide mm -hmm. to icon design. And in there, I, I talk a lot about like, you know, icon sets and creating icons. And of course, obviously all the blog posts as well. But, um, but yeah, like no matter how much I share, there's just so much more to go over and it's, it's much more high value to do that in a set curriculum, you know, like creating that curriculum for people to go through and not have to wade through all of my content to find these things about icon sets. Um, 
so yeah, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of my solution. That's, that's what I'm working towards to get <laughs> that idea out there, like to help with what are some, some strategies and ways that I can actually make icons better, uh, and not have so much stress over these. Gotcha. So since you're goal driven and you said the course is, uh, you'll be releasing the course. Do you have a kind of, have you set a deadline for yourself of when that's coming out? Currently, I'm, I need to set a, a really firm deadline. Um, this is my first, you know, actual, I'm doing like full video production course. Uh, and this is kind of my first step into uh, getting a course done. So it's a little bit hard for me to roadmap in some ways because I know there's going to be obstacles. <laughs> I'm releasing it on my own, my own site. So that's, you know, more stuff I have to set up infrastructure wise. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I'm thinking early 2017. Okay. At this point, but, um, I don't know. I'll have something firm out there. At some point. <laughs> so are you planning on doing, um, well, like, you know who Dustin Lee is, um, with retro yeah. supply. He's mm -hmm. got his, um, passive income course that he just started doing. Um, and this first round is kind of a beta course. Um, so it's, you know, at a discounted price point and there's a lot more openness and feedback and, you know, what did you like about this? What did you not, are you kind of planning on or thinking about doing that with yours to work out the kinks? Well, I definitely want to, um, I definitely want to have some really good, um, pricing up front. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's allergy season here. Um, I definitely want to have some good feedback and stuff in the, in the beginnings. And I may even do a, a small pilot program for that. Um, and when the course is released, I always, um, even with products I've released, like physical products I release or icon packs I release, there's, there's a window of time that is a discount sure. uh, up front because those are the people that have stuck around and are like, I want the course and you know, they, they've been patient with me getting it out there. And so I want to make sure in that, you know, 24, 48 hour window, they have the option to buy it at a way lower price. Um, but yeah, the pilot course thing is something I want to set up and kind of, uh, figure out also just having conversations with people on the newsletter. Mm -hmm. Um, those have been really valuable because they, that's what they struggle with. And we email back and forth and we talk about it and, and I kind of help them through it and, and learn some things that they're not, uh, understanding. So, uh, so that's a lot of my approach to it. And, and again, this is like, um, sort of the buildup to something larger. Like eventually I want to have a bigger course that goes over things like, app icons and mm -hmm. uh, other types of icons besides sets. There's a lot of those out there. Sure. And uh, for this one, I just want to focus on sets specifically. So I think from this course, there will also be some good conversation with people taking it about the, the larger world of icons as well. Mm -hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so, you know, moving forward, you're building all this stuff out and, um, trying to build it hopefully the beginning of um 2017 or we're just going to say the beginning of 2017 i'll hold you to it um, okay. you got a three-month window in there <laughs> yeah that's true um and then you know 
taking that course to a different level where you're talking about different things. Um, are you planning on doing anything else around that? I mean, I know you've got, you know, the blog posts you put up, you've got the video, you'll have the video tutorials in that. Are you planning on tying in any like kind of freebies to entice people or, you know, just knowledge bombs that you can drop on people with that? Yeah. I mean, uh, another aspect of the course that I haven't really even mentioned is also also putting in some material that helps you position this to client work and and actually like not just here's how to make icon sets, but here's how to make icon sets that actually achieve sell. goals. And, <laughs> yeah. And can actually improve your ability to serve clients and and get paid what you're worth, you know, um, and so that's part of it as well. Like that's something I want to infuse in there. And so I think that's like a huge chunk of value coming out of that is, is saying like, here's the experience I've had with creating icon sets mm -hmm. for, uh, for clients and for people that approach me for icon sets. And, uh, yeah, like that's a big piece. I'm giving away the handbook right now. Mm -hmm. Um, it's called the icon designers handbook. Thank you. I have uh, downloaded that. <laughs> thank you. I actually want to update that soon, but Anybody who's on the list, I'm going to send the new one to them when I update. But <laughs> yeah, um, I want to I want to add some stuff to that and expand it a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, I think in some ways I, I did the whole deadline setting thing, and I was like, all right, we've got these things, and it's uh, a lot of people have commented that it was of value, and I'm really glad. Mm -hmm. But uh, there's just some stuff I feel like I kind of left out and could could update now um, with some of the new direction in it. So. Yeah, there's that. Uh, there's, of course, the like you mentioned, the video tutorials on YouTube, mm -hmm. youtube.com slash Kyle Adams design is where all those are. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll throw links out there as much as you want me to. I'll put them in the show <laughs> notes, too. Don't worry. <laughs> OK, um, it's just natural. Like I also have a podcast. Yeah, I do want to uh, talk to you about that here in a second. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we can talk about it in a minute, but I do have a podcast behind the brand and that goes over a lot of these things we've talked about, like working with brands and uh, it's a lot about establishing your own brands and all those things. But it it really helps get people in the the mindset of what is a brand and how can I help brands move forward? So mm -hmm. uh, that's helped. That's been some free content that's helped a lot of people in my icon design audience as well. Kind of wrap their head around, oh, how do I work with a brand and what do they actually need to achieve? Uh, so that's been some good free stuff out there too. Cool. Well, let's, yeah. So since we've brought it up and kind of mentioned it, let's talk about the podcast and how that got started and all that. Yeah, see, I was stuff. just segueing there for you. Thank you. I appreciate that. It makes my job so much easier. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So Corey Miller is the, the, he's the real host there. Like I'm, I'm kind of the co-host. He asked me to be on the show and he is really, really passionate about, uh, branding from just to clear any, any confusion here, like branding as, as a whole, not just the identity, right. uh, not just the brand identity and the design aspect, but a brand as a whole. And what does that mean? And how can you build a really sustainable, successful brand? And he wanted me to come on because he'd seen uh, a lot of what I was working on with my brand and stuff that I was doing. And also my mission to help other brands achieve their goals through client work. Um, so we started that in, wow, when was that? That was late 2015. Mm -hmm. And I 
think we just recorded episode 45 <laughs> at the time of this recording. <laughs> uh, so we've we've done weekly. Uh, so we're we're approaching a year pretty soon. But uh, man, it's just been it's been a great thing to uh, to have that podcast because it kind of takes me out of design mode a little bit sure. <laughs> and puts me into what am I like? Where am I focusing my brand even, <laughs> you know, like what are we doing and who am I trying to serve and, and how am I able to serve them well? Um, and also helping people figure that out for themselves as well. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So specifically, you know, you, you, you guys, you talked about how it goes into talking about everything behind the brand and things like that. Do you guys, I mean, I've listened to the show, so I'm familiar with it, but for people who haven't, do you guys sit down and do like case studies um, of things like that? Or do you just kind of talk about in general terms and then expand from there? It's very much in general terms, especially at this point. Um, you know, we're kind of going over these concepts and really, really showing how a brand is a persona. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you've listened to it, you know, like we, we typically refer to a brand as, as somewhat of a person mm-hmm. that you're raising type of thing. Like the, the brand isn't all about you. It's about the people that you're serving. It's about who you're trying to reach. And if you, if you're really focused on yourself and like, this is all about me and, uh, me and my design work or me and my whatever, then it's not really like resonating with other people because you're not projecting this like inclusionary aspect of saying, you know, here's what, here's what you can get. Here's what I want to do for you. Mm-hmm. Instead, it's just, here's what I did. Here's what I like. Hope you like it. <laughs> you know? um, and so it's, it's been a lot of very, it's a very conversational podcast. We kind of find a topic. A lot of the topics we find actually come from questions that we get. Uh, we're part of the we're part of the Sean West network, so sure. uh, we have the Sean West community that we stream live to when we record, and they ask questions. They're in there talking. Like we get some feedback. We mention them in the shows even, uh, and then we also get emails from people that are asking questions about their brand. So, and so, uh, so not to interrupt you, but how the hell do you not go off on just random tangents and turn into just full ADD squirrel mode with that going on. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have an outline, so we typically have like at least a loose outline. Of, <laughs> here's what we're going to talk about. Uh, it's also really hard to keep up with a chat while you're talking. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, typically it's like if, uh, let's say Corey's going on this fairly long talk about a certain topic, I'll start looking at the chat and kind of see what's going on in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also they're really, really good about staying on that topic. Like when we have podcast topics in the chat, it's very, very focused on that topic. And, uh, so I appreciate that a lot because they don't (laughs) just go off some random place. Um, and often it can be kind of infused into what we're talking about and, uh, that, or we just end up not being able to get to everything in the podcast, but talk to them, you know, like I was going to say in person, but through the chat afterwards. Sure. One-on-one. One-on-one. Yeah. Um, and it's not even one-on-one. It's like one on a hundred or whatever. <laughs> like there's like a hundred people in the chat at a time. So, um, 
yeah, that's that's kind of our, our approach with that. It, it is hard sometimes to not go off on random things. Sure. But uh, we have a pre-show that doesn't go. It's like the part of the podcast that never goes live. It's just for the community. But it's this kind of pre-show where we warm up and we get all of our silliness out uh-huh. and talk about random things. And then at the end of the show, we also have this kind of post-show where we finally breathe. And <laughs> So pre- and post-show is all fart jokes. And then... <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like kick back. We're done. Like there's many times we literally get to the end and we've just we've focused so much on the topic and put so much in. We're just like, oh, glad it's over. <laughs> <laughs> and then we kind of, you know, converse with either people in the community or, or stuff that's going on in our lives or uh, make it a little more loose. So I think that helps a lot with warming up and then kind of cooling down at the end, mm-hmm. you know. Cool. Well, since we're getting kind of close to our time here, aside from the um, icon course that you're getting ready to launch in early 2017, um, what else is uh, coming down the pipe for you? Or at least that you can talk about. You're holding me to that 2017. Damn right I am. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, I kind of mentioned it earlier. I I want to eventually make something that's more of a like high level course of I say high level in-depth course really mm-hmm. of icons as a whole. Um, and that's like a much bigger project that's coming down, uh, later, uh, working on some more products. That's kind of the, the part I'll, I'll keep to myself for now. Cause I'm trying <laughs> to figure out exactly what they're like. Um, I have some physical products now on my store. Yes. I can see and, your stickers uh, behind you. Yeah. So I've got a bunch of stickers back here. Um, so I have two prints and a, a sticker pack called the Coffee Love Icon Collection mm-hmm. at this point. Uh, and I have some ideas to expand that line a little bit and, and kind of get that out there. I love the idea of crossing the digital, which is what icons typically are, sure. into the physical world and kind of bridging that connection because you can you can buy an icon that you really like and hang it on your wall. Mm-hmm. And I think that idea is super interesting. Or in your case, plastered all over the uh, bulletin board behind you. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually this really cool magnet board. And oh, I have neat. these little, uh, they're, they're map, map magnets. That's really hard to say. Uh, but they're these little thin, like basically what you would substitute for a push pin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they just like stick them on there. So you hardly even see those on the stickers. It's really cool. Um, cool. But yeah, like that's kind of roadmap for the future. Uh, there's, there's like really long-term things that I won't go into cause they probably <laughs> get really boring, but, uh, at least for the, the current future, that's, that's really a lot of my plan. Um, and also I've got some, some client projects coming down the line that I'm really excited to share, but haven't done so yet. So. <laughs> well, it's probably best to uh, wait till they're completed. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. The client signs off on them. That's always a good idea. <laughs> right. Cool. So, you know, wrapping up, where can people find you online? Aside from the ones that uh, you've already plugged, and we'll put those in the show notes. <laughs> I mean, you're welcome yeah, to plug so- them again. I just wanted to give you a hard time. <laughs> <laughs> I could, I could have a lot of links. Yeah. Um, you can find me at kyleadams.me. That's where most of my stuff is is at. Uh, it's kind of the central hub of everything I'm doing. Uh, also, I typically point people to twitter.com slash it's Kyle Adams. Mm-hmm. That's really confusing, but it's I-T-S Kyle Adams. Because Kyle Adams is our all, always taken 
and I can't get the just normal vanilla Kyle Adams. So, uh, spice it up a little with it's Kyle Adams (laughs) and, uh, yeah, that's like the main places I'm hanging out, um, and talking with people. Awesome. Kyle, thanks for sitting down uh, and chatting with me tonight. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Not a problem. You can find out more about Kyle on Twitter at It's Kyle Adams. And be sure to check out the links in the show notes for more ways to keep up with him. You can keep up with the podcast on Twitter and Facebook at Creative SO Pod and follow Creative South on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Creative South GA over at CreativeSouth.com. And I'm at Jay Frostholm on Dribble, Twitter, and Instagram. Head over to RealThread.com today and tell them Creative South Podcast sent you in the checkout or when you talk to your account executive to get up to $100 off your next order. For a limited time, new Skillshare customers can get their first three months for just 99 cents to get unlimited access to thousands of classes when you sign up at Skillshare.com using promo code CreativeSouth. What are you waiting for? Start learning today. Don't forget to head over to CreativeSouthGA.com right now to pick up your tickets for Creative South in April of 2017. We're looking forward to seeing you there and hugging some necks. And remember, if you like the show, help support us over at patreon.com slash creative south. And if you like the Creative South podcast, head over to iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play Music. Rate us and leave a review. This helps more people find the podcast and allows us to keep getting awesome guests. Now go out and hug some necks.